Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today is January 8th, and you are listening and watching the Daily AI Show Live. And today, we're back, or this week, we're back with a whole bunch of new episodes. Today, we have uh, Jumi, Beth, Andy, Robert, I'm Brian. And we are um, talking today about the ever-changing uh, job landscape as it applies to AI. So just to kick things off here, the reason you know I brought this topic up, I and mean, we have a sort of a back channel that we all use for show topics. Hey, this would be interesting. We think this might be interesting. And then we research those. Um, the, the actual article that brought this to my attention was um, about the layoffs at Google. And so I just have it on my side screen. I don't need to share it, but Google likely to lay off 30,000 employees. Um, post new AI innovation. Now, it's it's like such an easy sentence, and then you like stop and you go, "Wait, thirty thousand? Like that's the size of the town I moved into when I was like, you know, in Georgia in 1987. There was thirty thousand people there. You know, that's an entire town in a lot of cases. Now, Google obviously Alphabet is a huge company, um, and that might be spread out across multiple geographic locations. But what's important or or interesting about this particular article and there's other companies is this one specifically mentions AI. There's been a lot of job layoffs over the last year due to other factors, economy, all these things. Um, this particular one talked about how a potential reduction in workforce um, that's in their Google ads ad sales department um, because they're, the company is exploring the benefits of leveraging AI for operational efficiency. And that word efficiency comes up over and over and over. I probably wrote, read 10 different articles this morning and prep for this show. And I kept seeing the word efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. So that was just the one that showed up to me. There's other companies like Duolingo, Microsoft, others that are out there that have also been in the news for this. Um, but let's just open up the conversation now to you guys. You know, as you see it going into 2024, you know, maybe what industries do you see, or do you have other you know, other you know insights here that you want to bring up before we kind of get into who's maybe at most risk as we see it, who's safer, and I'm putting that in air quotes for anybody who can't see me um, for as far as AI goes. Who wants to kick it off? I'll say something about Google first, which is you know that's that's still a very large percentage of their workforce. I, I think I, I did a quick search. I think it's around 130,000 globally in their total. So, you know, 30,000 is a big hunk of that. Uh, the, the other thing I, I would uh, mention is, you know, it's in the ad sales division. Now, this could be a defensive move in respect of their knowing that ad sales on Google are not going to be in a high growth mode going forward. So that at part of their logic is, okay, you know, let's Let's kind of reorganize here around a new future in which AI is making it less likely, AI like perplexity, is making it less likely that people are going to advertise on our platform. That could be part of the logic. But um, the fact that they're getting rid of ad sales also seems to me to imply that Google, as it has done in the past, has automated many processes for the user so that they're self-service. And a lot of what you do, you know, doing Google AdWords and, and Google Ads, it doesn't require a sales executive to assist you in the process. You can pretty much articulate that yourself. So 
they're probably rapidly in the context of potentially losing some portion of the overall ad market. Uh, they're probably also rapidly AI automating all of those processes to make them self-service. So a harbinger of what really what's to come for almost every industry where human inputs have been required to get the job done. Isn't it though, and it often happens at the end of the year, they do this to, to mess with their stock price and their year end and their, isn't this some kind of like financial play that happens almost every year? Facebook did it last year. Um, yeah. Tens of thousands of people. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I'm not disagreeing with everything you said, Andy, but I'm also in the back of my head. I'm like, uh, is it really, uh, is it a precursor? Is it a reaction or is it neither? Like, is it a reaction to them uh, not having anybody interested in buying any ad revenue? So why are we having a sales team if we're all of our salespeople are, are their, their performance and is dropping significantly because of the AI technology that became, you know, prevalent around the marketplace. So nobody wants to do ads anymore because they don't think it's valuable. And so they fired their team because of that. Or is it like you said, pre predicting the change that's happening or when they're kind of positioning their company or is it neither? Is it just because they're trying to make their share price look better? I mean, I'm being skeptical. I mean, it's probably a, co a combination of, uh, of all of those things, but I, you're right, Robert, it is cyclical in terms of hiring, especially a, a lot of them are saying they overhired for pandemic and now they're, you know, uh, they're making their numbers or their books uh, look better at the end of the year. And we've seen this in uh, all across tech and not necessarily attributed to AI. That just may be the um, the current catchphrase when they're talking about efficiencies, like you were saying, Brian. It's like, oh, we got to make things more efficient. We need to, you know, to uh, tighten the belt, so to speak. And so, of course, they are attacking the um, the positions first, right? The, uh, the jobs themselves. And, and this is across all kinds of industries. Uh, recently, uh, just before Christmas, Hasbro left off, uh, uh, laid off 1,100 people. And the, all their stuff is about games, games and toys. And, you know, they can, they can talk about a, a, a little bit being, oh, AI replacement, or they're just trying to make their numbers look better. But that's still 1,100 jobs that they, they cut off. And, you know, we're we're seeing things even in like the insurance agency uh, um, agency side of things is where, you know, thousands of people are getting laid off there. But certain uh, agencies are say or like credit agencies are saying, oh, no, that's not really due to to AI, even though they're saying it. It's it's really just their normal cyclical cutting of jobs to make their books look better. And and, and so I think I think there's a balance up there. Well, let's let's make sure we. So, I, what I would say is for this show, let's focus on where we think AI is is actually not just hearsay, but like where AI is actually impacting jobs. Um, with the Google one, yes, the ad side was big, but they also mentioned customer support as being a huge um, uh, sector that would also be impacted. And we can see that Carl has talked, you know, a lot about creating custom chatbots and whether, you know, maybe a different story, different, a different um, show would be, Hey, are those chatbots ready for prime time? Well, we see stuff that comes up like the Chevy um, article that came out too long ago and it was, it was, wasn't a great user experience. And so certainly there's that, but are we starting to see just in the early 2024, late 2023 that, we are now starting to see jobs literally being cut that aren't coming back 
in places like customer service or, you know, ad creation or ad copy, because do I need a human or I'll throw sales in there, by the way, sales is definitely being disrupted. That's the industry I work in. Um, you know, is, are these jobs not coming back? Are, are we actually seeing in 2024 companies go, Hey, I can literally now do this with one person where it used to take five. And we simply don't need to have those other four people anymore. Yeah, and I would I would say yes, but I will also say, um, which is uh, if I can get on my soapbox for a second. Uh, so, so as you know, you can do it with less people, but those less people need to be better skilled at actually using the AI technology. So it's like a weird kind of mix. So I, I think we're at the precipice of where um, the technology needs to be adopted in order for it to do exactly what you said and make that leap. But also I I watched this, I'm sorry, I read this newsletter by Justin Feinberg. If you all follow Justin, Mm -hmm. he's, he's pretty sharp. He had this, this term he called the AI arbitrage fallacy. And I love the idea that he's like, look, we're at the point now where the early adopters are slowly going to be overcome by those, everybody else's, you know? And so, we're the early adopters, as, as you can know from this, from this, uh, from the last year, <laughs> the six of us. Um, but I think what he's making a point is that slowly it's going to be not AI is going to leapfrog your business. It's going to be AI is required for you to survive. It's going to mm-hmm. change from, hey, this is a cool technology that's going to make you outshine your competition to you better if you don't, you're, you're left behind. I know you've been saying that for a while. But it's actually going to be happening in 2024. Now, how does that play into this conversation? Well, those employees that are are going to be needed in order to make that arbitrage, whatever, a reality, uh, need to be trained or need to take the initiative. Otherwise, they're going to be left behind. If you're going to hire somebody, you're going to hire somebody with that skill set. If you're going to fire somebody, you're going to fire the person who doesn't have that skill set. So. When they, we talk about the who's at risk today, obviously we can talk about the huge Googles of the world and their 20,000 employees, whatever they're laying off. But let's talk about the small, medium-sized businesses where it does impact individuals. Not that those people aren't real. Those are real people. But my point is, um, I think there's there's more nuances in all the businesses that are out there and all these roles. What do you all think? I, I want to give an example. So... <clears throat> One example is a company that we connected with and it wasn't, so we, we built a chat bot for internal employee manual, right? Just something that really basic use case. So they don't have to go to their internal SharePoint site, try to look that up. And then a whole bunch of employee manuals that their field teams have to look through. So we built two of them. <clears throat> what we kind of found out after the fact, because we usually meet with the president or CEO, and then we trickled this down, is that they were able to let go of a couple people who that was their job to respond, not 100%, I would say 60%, but they didn't need to because this thing literally did it. And what they did was they essentially those positions were cut, sorry, not lose their jobs, but they were able to redeploy them somewhere else. 
So those right. positions no longer existed. So that's where I see from a, when you, when Robert, you say small to medium sized business, every single company we talk with has the moment we did our discovery presentation, jokingly or serious, they said, how many, how, what's the impact on headcount this will have for me, for our team. So it isn't until they actually see the use case. And then that's where a lot of people go to. It's like, Hey, could I reduce my headcount? So I think we're at a point where you don't know until those people actually like kind of like wrap their head around it. But once they do, that's the question that keeps coming up. So that's where I've been kind of like really been big on that to educate and get people going because <laughs> I don't know when all those people will start wrapping their heads around, oh, hey, we can, we don't need seven. We only need five. That's where the. And, and, and to be honest, Carl, I'd love to have a update on that client a month from now and see if those two employees or however many that were moved are actually still there. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, maybe it was just like a nice thing to go. Oh no, you're not losing your job. No, no, we promise. You just go over here and do this job over here. And I wonder if it's actually just like a, a baby step to them making themselves redundant. I don't know. And, it's and look, I think that's a. I mean, it's a good point. I was you. I agree, Robert and Carl. What I was just about to say is, you know, is this? Um, we see the news for Google thirty thousand jobs. Well, because that's a huge number. But are we seeing thirty thousand? jobs um uh, shifted like you just said carl one at a time through thousands of small businesses is it, are we still seeing these numbers anyway it's just that they're not going to hit the news cycle you know right. nobody's going to hit the news cycle for a team of 20 who repositions four people but that's a massive deal for that particular company in terms of efficiencies and what they might be able to sorry about that you have to love a teenager because she, my daughter is literally calling me from there. Right <laughs> so uh, Business Insider came out with um, uh, an article on December 6th talking about freelancers and looking at um, the results of um, free uh, to freelancers on Upwork and Fiverr. Right. So so there were uh, there are anecdotal stories from both of those. Um, and basically, they're saying that the people that there were fewer jobs for things like writing um, and the jobs that were there were earning less money. So uh, one of the people quoted who uh, used to work, who used to earn twenty five hundred to three thousand a month on Fiverr, was now earning a thousand. Um, mm. And actually, the data in this is kind of old. So I am interested to see if that's like a continuing drop. Um, there's also a graph shown that that implies uh, that has like this big thing about like this is when ChatGPT launched, and this is like the trajectory of the jobs and earnings after that. Mm -hmm. um, now, freelance, to your point, is something that is not an in-house employee, right? So those may be the easiest, like, oh, we can, we don't have to outsource this. We can insource this or we can outsource it to, uh, to ChatGPT. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, those, the creator economy has 
been in the crosshairs since day one, right? The creator economy, the uh, the knowledge workers, these the the white collar roles that previously, you know, were thought you know insulated or protected. They thought blue collar was going to be taken over by robotics, which they were, you know, in automotive industry and whatnot. But now the thought leaders, the thought processes, and and these people that write, I'm I feel bad for them. Yeah, I, I think you have so, a great point, Robert, which is like so. Take the the uh, the coder who could just sit in a dark room, and because they could code, everybody would deal with whatever that person like. They may have the worst personal skills ever, but everybody's like, "Look, it don't really matter. <laughs> All they have to do is produce the code, and it you know they they could be the the you know whatever as far as like personal skills and stuff like that." Now I think that's coming back around where a lot of companies are going to say, "No, no, no, we definitely need people who have." fully developed skill sets when it comes to interaction, communication, skill sets, problem solving, above and beyond whatever it's the soft skills. We keep hearing this. Soft skills are making a, you know, are, are having their renaissance. They're coming back. Not that they ever really went away, but you know, it was like, what do you know? What, what tool can you use? Are you specialized in it? And now we're starting to see, oh, some of these things that you were trained up on 20 years ago, you know, are now being replaced by AI. Oh, by the way, what soft skills do you have to be able to make you malleable, to make you be able to be adaptable and, and efficient for our company so we can go plug you in these other areas because we want you as an employee. That's your value. We might move you around and plug you in different places and we need you to be flexible. To now, me, that's that, like that's yeah. the path forward. That's a that's brilliant insight, actually, Brian. And that's an indictment, uh, not to get too like generational, but that's an indictment to those coming up in the college right now. As you know, they were born with iPhones in their hand. They don't have those social skills that some of us had to develop throughout our career and networking when we didn't have technology. And I, I really feel like those people will be the collateral damage of this new technology, as you can imagine, right? Because they don't have the soft skills. They don't know how to develop them. And maybe they will because <laughs> of this. But yeah, um, I do want to address uh, one of the questions that came up here on the on the one of our commenters. Is workforce reduction the same as repositioning within? And I want to answer this and let everybody else jump in too. In the context of of this question, I think of it as a culture question. Like if you're a CEO, if you're part of an organization, it's all about what do you do with that cost savings? I mean, Brian, not Brian, Carl said that one of his clients, like first question was, how is this going to affect my workforce? Like, can I reduce headcount? They're thinking money. They're thinking I can make more money on this or, or save on cost. So the culture of the companies to determine what that looks like is workforce reduction going to mean I can now not have to hire that person over here because I can move them over. That might be the case. What do y'all think? Uh, one one thing there too on, on, on another note, Robert, is <clears throat> I'll use another example. There was another company that we did and I feel terrible for doing this. Is we're, we're like, hey, so we showed them the examples and then the question came back and said, oh yeah, we're hiring an agency to do this can we do it ourselves for like 79.99? Because I was showing them the, what was it called? Adcreative.ai. And I said, well, depends on what your, your agency's doing. And they said, well, we're doing this. Could you just train our social media person to create this and just redo it every month? Because that's what they were paying their agency to do. And I said, yeah, sure. They did. 
I didn't even, I was, it was just sort of like a half comment and then I showed it really quickly and then we kind of left. Yeah, that is $5,000 each month. You should like, gatekeep that information, Carl. Come on. What are you doing? You're ruining it for us. <laughs> I, I want to I add uh, a distinction to the answer to the question, is workforce reduction the same as repositioning? And, and my answer is no. Uh, a RIF, a reduction in force, is specifically to reduce the headcount and the overheads associated with headcount. And repositioning means you're not reducing your headcount. So a RIF is totally distinct from repositioning. If I can, you know, if I'm reorganizing internally and I can take people who are, you know, versatile and they can be applied to another function, then I'm not really doing a, a reduction in force. And, and those people don't, the people who are on that RIF list don't lose their jobs. Now, I want to say something about the big picture here. So the big picture is that over the course of my lifetime, there have been massive areas of, uh, of occupation that have been displaced. So when I when I was uh, you know not so long ago, like in the in the 90s, I had two secretaries in one position that I that I filled. One one was you know working with internal communications. By the way, this is before email. Um, one working with uh, in internal communications and one outward facing and doing document preparation. That. It's, since the 90s, that just doesn't exist anymore. I, you know, I when, when I uh, took a job at, at an internet company, um, there I had a, a team of a little under a hundred people. There was one administrative assistant for that group of a hundred people. Why? Email, you know, uh, computer, you know, workspaces, all of those things removed this whole class. Now, there's been a flight to gig work. For a lot of people who otherwise couldn't find employment, well, many of those gig positions are related to uh, logistics and distribution in the cases of Amazon and so on, and in transportation mm. with Uber, Lyft, etc. Well, AI is going to and plus robotics, like you know, autonomous vehicles or robots, basically driven by AI. Those are going to go away over time. I don't think it's going to happen next year. This year, I, I think it's going to take some time, but all those things go away. Now, what are the jobs that are being offered by the advent of AI that could replace this? They're all not entry positions. Right. Nothing that's offered out there is an entry-level position. What do they list? Oh, oh, there's going to be great opportunities for data scientists, engineers, uh, you know, uh, people who, you know, what going back to your point, Robert, about, you know, people skills. Uh, why do you need people skills when there aren't any people in the organization? Not the <laughs> you know, the, it, it's really disruptive. This whole thing is huge. And in the medium term, I'll say in the 10 year time frame, there's going to be massive dislocations as a result of this economically for the vast number of people who needed to go into a pretty simple job. And there just aren't enough uh, positions at the sales counter at McDonald's and Taco Bell to cover it. Right. Well, I, I, I do want to uh, address right. Anne's uh, point I here. Go back to the food in a second here. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Just, just, and just so you know, I do have a very specific, uh, although by, by my experience, of course, anecdotal, so I can't speak to Gen Z's as a whole, but I, 
have several times spoken at college courses uh, recently, and I'm very discouraged by their communication skills. Um, I yeah. brought in to talk about uh, for an AI 101 course at University of Tennessee, and uh, so I was re- my my opinion was reaffirmed. So I don't I don't think it's an outdated perception by any means. Go ahead. Sorry, Brian. No, no I just wanted to bring up just because we just br- go ahead, Carl. Is that Carl? That's a that's a show. I, I think that's a show topic. Like that's a show idea yeah. that we. Can <laughs> oh, uh, generational. That's a longer yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. that's right. a longer um, conversation. You you well, brought up Andy the the uh, food industry, so I think it's worth bringing back up. I brought it up on a new show. I think it was Cali Express. It's in Pasadena, California. Mm-hmm. I wish I could drive there. I don't know, Andy. You might be our closest uh, possible person, and you're not that's very far. You're not very, yeah, you're still closer than than me in Tampa, though. Um, but the uh this cali express it's supposed to be they're billing it as the first fully automated ai restaurant well it's a burger and fry place right well it's not it's not there's humans there but what are the humans doing well the humans aren't working the fryers anymore they're not flipping the burgers anymore they have literally the robots called flippy it's been around for a long time that's ex- exactly what the the robot does it, it dunks the stuff in the oil and it flips and it dumps it out into a thing at some point somebody has to assemble the burger and that's not being done by robots that's being done by humans there's also a bit of customer service at the end where that has to be delivered now they say and by the way that's a it, by the way it takes less employees it's safer keeps them away from the fryers less slipping less falls less injury all this good stuff right but, oh and it's a higher paying job too and, and and employees are generally happier and now i'm thinking to myself like well the people in the in the this job right this future this future version of of fast food joints which i think let's be honest there's some hybrid version of this coming for all fast food um mm-hmm. is I need to not only be able to manage customers, I need to have at least a baseline understanding of how to reset robots and get them back on track because robots do fail. Programming goes off. Sometimes you have to pull the power plug, count to 10 seconds and plug the damn thing back <laughs> in. You have to know these things. You have to be, somebody still has to, the robots aren't changing the oil. The robots aren't turning on the lights. Maybe they are. They're not resetting the systems and putting paper in the receipts, right? So to me, it's like, okay, if this is the new baseline job, you really do have to come in. I think if anybody coming into these these jobs, if it's like a first job as a kid and now you're 15, yeah, you you probably are going to have to have more, a broader range of skill set. But I go back to mm. if you're good at communication, if you're generally good at people, if you can work with others well, that Cali Express, that Chick-fil-A, that whatever, will train you and say, we will get you to a level of a baseline cert so you can manage these robot arms to get to wherever we need to do. That's what we need to do is we need people who can do that as well as these other jobs. That, that's my opinion on it. Well, well, I think I think to Andy's, what Andy was alluding to is that structure isn't there, right? So our the this transitional period between you know paradigm shift and technology your jobs and things like that is we haven't uh we haven't approached it as providing that that new base knowledge like you were saying training up so i don't i don't think we've seen that gap filled in right no. we've, already, we've already experienced tech skill gap and now we've got soft skill gap and and all these kinds of things across across the the there but what do we i haven't seen anything that's 
that's okay we're we're filling in all the steps that you need to now uh do this job that's you know we've already replaced with robotics and or uh ai and things like that and that's and that's where that uh that transitional or growth pains uh are going to be felt uh initially is trying to transition from point a to point b Right. And part of why we haven't seen that gap filled is because we're at the very beginning of the curve and we don't know where it's coming. Right. We don't know where it's coming. We don't know when it's coming. We just know that it is coming. So one true. of the things that is true about like almost everything that you can look around in our world and seeing is that what has happened before is no longer the same kind of predictor of what's happening next. Right. Like right. that is just a truism of where we are. And uh, I'm just going to say, if you want to build skills that do that, if you want your employees to have skills that do it, uh, take improv classes and hire improvisers because that <laughs> is the base level skill. I'm not kidding. Like, yeah, I know, but there's but so also, much in there. But <laughs> also that is the business on this. That <laughs> is the base you. level skill of like, yeah. you go in, do not know what's going to happen and you magically come together and create something that didn't exist before. It's it like they're, it, if you're freaked out about this moment, take an improv class. It will build your resiliency in a fun way. Start a podcast with six other, you know, uh, people who are who are basically strangers and get to know them and and have varying viewpoints. And, no, no, uh, don't do that because I'll compete with us. Don't do that. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to invoke the the uh, artful comedy of of Dilbert cartoons. You know that like <laughs> popularized the idea that you know there there's a vast army of people living in cubicles who are, you know, like despondent in that role. Well, the yeah. cubicle hasn't gone away. In fact, I think it's, it's gotten exacerbated by the the modern mode of, of workforce working in the same space even. You know, I, my last 10 years of work were much more solitary and isolated than the previous decades mm -hmm. that I worked. It's, sure. it's, it's getting worse, not better. And the yeah. the advent of AI, I think, just you know removes the socialization and the collaboration and the cooperation to something that's much more isolating and distant and disconnected. I agree. I mean, you know, look, working in the firehouse for the eight years that I did was like a master class in learning how to deal with people who were not like me, you know, <laughs> like have varying opinions. And, you know, like it was trial by fire. And if you messed up, man, did you know it? But there was always that level of like love and understanding behind it. And so I always feel really grateful for that. Just that <laughs> That's the only part. Thank you for hitting with the firefighter story. But that was it for that. Hey, just before we wrap up, I do want to just bring this up because I have it on my screen. I just haven't had a chance to mention it. This was from theforage.com and they were referencing um, a, they were referencing a report and I, I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's like, basically will robots take my job? This is, this is what they said as they were identifying the, the areas of imminent risk. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. Transportation and material. I mean, Andy mentioned transportation. Sales, I mentioned that, and I, I will tell you for sure, sales is going to be disrupted a lot 
by AI because I see it every single day and I talk to the experts every single day who are who are sales experts in it. Uh, production, I, I, that's a broad term, but they say 2.8 million jobs. Office and administrative support, I think Andy, you even brought that up too. Food prep, Cali Express just talked about that. Business and financial operations, I don't know that we really necessarily talked about financial, but it definitely makes sense to me. Um, and then it gets into, which is funny because we didn't talk about it, um, but we'll be talking about it uh, soon on a um, guest show we have is marketing, right? So art design, um, for entertainment, sports media, um, and then it gets in things like legal, building, ground cleaning and maintenance. I guess that's like, you know, you can 3D print houses, right? So it might disrupt the, the construction industry as well in some cases with larger robots. I'm not sure. Um, and then this is protective services. So just want to throw this out there because I feel like we hit some of those just in this conversation without even necessarily having that list all up on <clears> our screen. <throat> everything. Um, that's not to say imminent doesn't mean somebody's going to lose their job tomorrow. Um, I don't believe right. that. I think, you know, for every uh, switchboard operator there was, there was people who maybe retired. There was people who transitioned into the telephone industry and, and probably retired at AT&T 20 years later. I don't know, you know, but not every single person that was a switchboard operator that when that, that actual job disappeared, it was no longer needed. Well, where did they all go? They didn't all retire and stop working. They weren't all out of work. They morphed, they changed jobs, maybe they fully changed careers. And so like you were saying, Beth, maybe we don't necessarily have a precedence for this, but we do know throughout human history, people are, are fairly adaptable. And as a society, we will probably adapt to this. And yes, some of these jobs will fully go away. A hamburger flipper might fully go away in our lifetime, but people will adapt and there'll be new jobs that come up that are, that are needed as well. I just on that note, though, Brian, the and and back to your point, Andy, as as you know, as technology evolves, people were able to, you know, get more like adapt to the jobs. I think the only difference here is that the evolution or the pace of the technology here is faster than we've seen anything before. So can will people be able to adapt and keep up? while this thing just runs through. Because yeah. think about the <clears throat> the pace over the last year. You could say any other technology, that would have taken four, five, six, seven years yeah. to actually get yeah. through. This thing right. took, and, and everyone's, right? It's just fast. I, I, I do want to, to answer Gwyn's question or, or comment about should we pay less? Because I also, the, the thing that I remember I think it was Paul Ratzer who said it. It's like, hey, we create all these tools, AI tools to help us. Are we saying that we're just going to work even more because now we have AI tools or AI things that can do even more work? Like, shouldn't it benefit to the point where can we have three days? Can we have four days mm -hmm. instead of, hey, now we can work six days because AI can elevate us even faster so that's pro again probably another talk another conversation but yeah, it, it, the, the, just, the, uh, yeah. yeah. And henry ford right he, he's the one that it, uh started the five-day 40-hour work week and you know we've definitely seen success stories of people have gone down to three days i personally think that bucket just keeps getting refilled i don't think ai leads to people working three and two days a week i think it just re it leads to 
humans becoming ever more efficient and filling that time with things they couldn't do before because they had to manually smash the button a thousand times. And now that that's not a thing anymore, they go, oh, Jesus, now my finger doesn't hurt as much because I don't have to smash the button. What else could I do? And then it just fills back up with other stuff. And I just, I, that's my personal opinion. My my worry about that though, Brian, is who's going to pay for that? That, you know, those things that I want to do now that I don't have to do all the things that I was trained to do. You know, who's going to pay me for what it is that I want to do next? Where is the demand? Where's the workplace demand for the things that humans can do that that are different? I think the total number of humans required is necessarily shrinking in the face of automation and robotics. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Ooh, yep. this will be a continuing conversation. We're on time yeah. anyway, so we're, uh, <laughs> let's, let's wrap it up there. It's a really interesting conversation. It's one that's going to come back around over and over again in 2024. I think, Carl, the last thing I just thought of, and you made a great, great topic was it's moving so fast. And the reason we'll keep talking about it is you may very well be in a job today on January 8, 2024, that you feel very confident about. And I... Mm-hmm. I would imagine on December 31st of 2024, there'll be a lot of people who go, oh, I didn't see that coming. And it came within one calendar year because we saw that a lot in 2023, too. So this will keep uh, shifting and, um, you know, becoming a topic that we need to bring back over and over again. So uh, this is great. Loved it. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Robert actually sort of referenced it a little bit, uh, the idea of it. But tomorrow we're talking about the await equation. Um, uh you know, timing your AI investments. Now this goes a little bit more to towards business, but the idea of, is it actually more advantageous financially to wait and not deploy AI technologies because you could actually wait for all the dust to settle and then speed up faster on the back end. Um, we got the news on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about hopefully on Thursday, if they've announced it by then, OpenAI's uh, ChatGPT custom GPT store. That's a mouthful. Um, But hopefully we'll be talking about that on Thursday. Otherwise, we'll move it. And Friday, I am excited to talk about Apple in the year of 2024. What is Apple going to do? Uh, A lot of Justin Feinberg has been talking about that too, making predictions out there. Is 2024 the year of Apple AI? And we'll be talking about that on Friday. Hold all predictions. Hold all predictions, Carl. That'll be Friday. (laughs) No, no, no. no. It was just uh, today. Apple, like the vision is coming February 2nd. Pre-orders January 19th. I I don't know. Talk about it on Friday. Thanks, guys. Keep coming back all week. And uh, we will see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Uh Aloha.